Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's a great day to be alive, and it's a great day to be a better. Welcome inside the Visa Studios here at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. This is the Lombardi Line presented by DraftKings. Femi Abebefe filling in for Stormy Bonantoni out on assignment doing the Fiesta Bowl today between Liberty and Oregon. Michael Lombardi, of course, in the great state of New Jersey. Michael, Happy New Year, our first Lombardi Line here of 2024. How are we doing this morning? Uh, we're doing good, Femi. Happy New Year to you, too. We're off and running here. One more week of football, and then we get the playoffs. Great games tonight. So, you know, it's a great way to kick off the uh, the 2024 year. Man, time flies, doesn't it? It really does. I mean, it really does. Like, the NFL season, like, like when we get so caught up in the week-to-week of it, and we get in our routines, and all of a sudden now we have one week left of the regular season with two games Saturday, then the 14 games on Sunday. Then, like you said, like, hey, then we start playing for keeps. Then we get into the playoffs, and then, then we start to meant legacies and all that stuff here but it's kind of sad to see the full slates go away there we have to wait all the way till next september i know i know it's hard but look it'll be fun we still have a lot to talk about the offseason the nfl doesn't rest so it's a good thing it is a very good thing. Uh, it keeps us all employed, which is nice. Uh, let's get to what we saw, though, yesterday. Uh, obviously, a lot of big results that have to do with the playoff implications, some awards implications. The top game, though, that had to deal with both of those was the Ravens just demolishing the Miami Dolphins 56-19. Yeah. to 19. Uh, this, this ended up closing three. There was a lot of interest on Miami getting close to kickoff there. It closed three. It was never close. Baltimore just smashes them. The game flies over the total, of course. There, Lamar Jackson, 321 yards. Five touchdown passes, three incompletions. You think that's good? Uh, Lamar is now minus 2,000 to win the MVP. Baltimore clinches the number one seed in the AFC as the road to the playoffs will go through the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, look, you go back and watch this tape, and and, it, and it's, you know, it's an impressive performance by Baltimore. It didn't start out that way. It looked like Miami was going to be able to run it down their throat. Uh, but, you know, Baltimore made the corrections they needed to make, and this Baltimore offense can throw the football effectively. I mean, they've got an opportunity to make plays in the passing game, the receivers down the field, and once Howard, Xavier Howard went out, everybody's talking about Chubb going out late in the game, but Howard's injury put Eli Apple in the front, and they went after him unmercifully, and he blew a coverage, gave him a huge play to Zay Flowers, and look, Miami... As we've talked about many times on our show, on the podcast here, when they have to play a third down game, they had 14 third downs in that game. That's not what they want to do. They want to make explosive plays like they did the first couple drives of the game. And when they have to grind it out, be physical, kind of do it play after play, that offensive line really got exposed on the road. And, and they gave up and they couldn't hold on on defense. I mean, now you lose Chubb to a non-contact injury. I know everybody says he shouldn't be out there, but, you know, there's only you only dress so many players. It isn't like you can rotate guys through. You know, they, they have injuries all over their defense. And this is not the same defense that we saw in Miami when they were over in, in, in Germany when they played the Chiefs and shut the Chiefs out in the second half and then came back and played really well for a lot of games. These injuries have taken a toll, and especially at the corner position. Remember, when mm-hmm. Ramsey was out earlier in the year, they were not very effective. He came back in and gave them a really good combination in the secondary. Now they've 
have lost that. Now, I, I don't know how bad Howard is if he's going to miss this week. Mm-hmm. I think he probably will based on taking him off in a cart. But, you know, you got Holland out. You got Howard out. Now you got Chubb out. Jalen Phillips has been out. Yep. Really kind of hurtful. And now they've got Tua with a bad shoulder, you know, coming off a bad thumb injury. Not not a good situation to walk in. Not that Buffalo played well either, Femi. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting that at all because Buffalo got a zillion turnovers, a missed field goal, and barely beat the Patriots. Yeah, Buffalo won that game 27-21. They were getting bet into oblivion, like getting close to the close there uh, prior to kickoff. I mean, they ended up closing 14 and a half, but there were even some 15s in the market where everybody, sharp squares, circles, everybody was on the bills uh, before the game. And then you watch the game play out, and it starts off with the kick return for New England. It's like, okay, well, they can weather the storm. But then when you see Buffalo's offense, which, by the way, 281 yards, 4.1 yards per play, it, it did not look good here for a Bills team no, that it feels like that's the dangerous team people keep pointing to in the AFC. But the last two weeks, it's been concerning. Yeah, we have not seen. I mean, the Bills offense. I mean, I know there's a whole conversation about Joe Barry and, and all that he's Joe Brady and that what he's done to this offense. But you can't tell it. I mean, they can't really run. They ran the football yesterday, barely. They made one play in the passing game, the 51 yarder to Kincaid. The next the next uh, uh, longest completion was 18 yards to Shakir. I mean, Diggs was completely neutralized in the game, averaged 6.5 on his four receptions. You know, they averaged 3.4 running the football. And, you know, Allen had 44 yards of the 127. You know, they don't look good to me. They, now, they turned the ball over, but were they really turnovers or were they just really bad play by Bally Zappi? Hmm. And then the fumble. I mean, it was, it was ugly. It really was. But, you know, they were able to stop Elliott from running the football, which is what they had to do. And I think having Jones back in there to kind of offset the to, to offset some of the, the, the injuries that they've had in their defensive front certainly helps them. But they look nothing like an explosive offense. Well, and that now sets up this Sunday night football game next week. Bills at the Dolphins. That'll be game 272 of the regular season. And everything's on the table for the AFC East division. Miami's going to be kicking themselves over that loss a couple weeks ago to Tennessee. I mean, they could have had this thing wrapped up. And now you have this Buffalo team in that in terms of their their kind of form doesn't look that great, but they've reeled off some nice wins here over the past month. And and if they go ahead and run this table, they're going to take the AFC East and perhaps maybe the two seed for the AFC. So it's going to be a monster And if they don't, they matchup. might not be in it. Yeah. And if they don't, they might not even make the playoffs. How about that? It's a boomer bust. Right? I mean, they're a three-point favorite on the road in Miami. It opened up. And a lot of that has to do with Miami's injuries. I mean, Miami gave up 491 yards to Baltimore yesterday. You know, this is a long way. You know, when they go on the road. Now, look, you know, when they were when they lost to Tennessee, they gave up four. They turned the ball over. Their defense was able to turn the ball over in the Tennessee game. In this game, their offense turned the ball over. They still forced a turnover from the Ravens. But still, this is not the same defense that we've seen rising up the charts after that Kansas City game. You know, where they were playing really good. Now, I know they played against the Raiders and the Jets and the Commanders and the Titans and the Jets again. Not great offenses. I get that. But they were really dominant. You know, they were really good. But, you know, now with all the injuries, without Chubb, without Phillips, Van Ginkle's their best rusher. Can that hold on? You know, I think it's real a problem for them. And if they get the sixth seed, which is what where we think they're going to head, mm-hmm. you know, now they got to play the third seed. they got to go to Kansas City. Mm, I don't know about that one. Yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs, they were able to clinch the division for the eighth straight year yesterday, beating Cincinnati 25-17. On the NFC side of things, because the AFC, we wrapped that up there for the one seed Baltimore is going to be hosting in the playoffs. On the NFC side, I didn't think we were going to wrap things up yesterday, but how about the Philadelphia Eagles, who opened the door not only for the 49ers to take the one seed, they've now opened the door for Dallas to come from behind to where Dallas, after they lost to Philly the first time, they were like 8-1 to to win the division. Now they're minus 1,000 to go ahead and win this division just needing a win against the commanders after philadelphia lost yesterday to arizona you go back to week five of the season when they after they played the commanders won the overtime game they were playing very good run defense you know the rams only ran the ball for 54 yards on them right then the jets can't run the ball miami ran for 45 yards on them at home the commanders couldn't run the ball on them and dallas in that game 73 yards since that game since that game they've given up over almost 170 yards rushing per game 
This has yeah. really been a decline of their defense. And when you watch them, their pad level's horrible. Their run fits are even worse. They can't fit it in there. I mean, to, uh, that box score, the score says 35-31. But I think if you look at, if you watch the broadcast, and when the Eagles kicked that field goal to go up 31-28, to and Fox panned the crowd of the people in the stands, all those Eagle fans, right? Mm-hmm. They, he panned the crowd. There was a look on everyone's face that they knew they were going to lose the game. Like they knew mm-hmm. the defense couldn't stop them. And it's reflective in the game book. They could not get control of the game. They couldn't stop them. Connor was great. Michael Carter was sensational. They couldn't tackle him. I mean, the Eagles look like a team that have had more walkthroughs than they've had practices, especially defensively. And what is considered to be the strength of their team, their defensive front, is certainly not the strength of their team at all because they can't stop a running game. And we know they've got liability in the pass game. We know they can't cover. They're up to 21st in the league, Femi, in yards per attempt against them. Now, typically, teams just throw the football at them. I mean, they've given up their 32nd in attempts in the passing game. People just want to come throw the ball on them, you know, and they've given up 31st in touchdown passes. So this defense, it's just not going to be a one-week fix. It's just not. And they have a 21-6 to lead in the game, and and they allow the second-half drive to get them right back in it. The Saturday before Christmas, we had Angelo Cataldi on here on the Lombardi yeah. line, the legendary sports uh, radio host in the Philadelphia area, and he said he said the Eagles are going to lose one of these three games. Like and like and like we because like I think I thought that the Philadelphia was just going to all right maybe might not look good but they'll win the games they'll win the East. He told us he said they're going to lose one of these three games because this team is not to be trusted, and he was dead on with this because yeah, he like, was. like like you just watch that game and you talk about the box score and everything and the, the fans and their faces. The Cardinals were making mistakes early on they had two red zone drives to where they could have easily come away with touchdowns and they only had three points to show for it one of them ended up in a pick six the 99 yarder and the other one kyler fumbles and they have to settle for a field goal like the cardinals could have blown this game wide open to where this isn't even a close deal if they were playing their a game no question and look go back to the giant game if the giants had enough common sense to start Tyrod Taylor instead of DeVito, the, the yeah. Giants might have beaten them. I mean, look, the Giants are competing with them. They have a chance they're throwing the ball towards the end zone at the end of the game. I mean, think about it. They, they cannot stop anybody. I mean, they go into Seattle. Pittsburgh goes into Seattle and wins that game. And Philly can't? Like, seriously, mm-hmm. what, what's, what, we're overvaluating Philly. We really are. And, yeah, their offense – I mean, Hurts didn't make any, really didn't throw the ball. They didn't run the ball either. They can't run the ball as well as they used to. And when you look ahead to week 18, they're now five and a half point favorites on the road against those same New York Giants. And this will be Terod Taylor starting. And we saw the Giants give the Rams a game yesterday. Maybe they go ahead and finish the Eagles off and beat them as well. Eagles right now, they've clinched the playoff spot, but they're definitely limping into the postseason. We'll continue to react to what we saw yesterday in the NFL. This is the Lombardi line. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abebefe, on VSEN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for a betting edge this college bowl season, the VEASAN experts have you covered. Our introductory offer, only $9.99, will get you all the daily recap of the top plays made by the show hosts and the guests. You'll get every pick for the college bowl betting guide here, including the games today, the CFP, Rose Bowl, and Sugar Bowl. You don't want to miss out on this limited time offer, though. It's only $9.99. VEASAN.com slash subscribe is where you can get it out, and you can become part of the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This is the Lombardi Line here, presented by DraftKings. Michael Lombardi out in New Jersey. Femi Abebefe here in downtown Las Vegas, wishing everybody a happy new year. And with the new year, Michael, uh, we do have a lot of college football that's happening right now. And then the bigger games later on today. We have three games. We got the you talk about four game Femi. We, we got three game Femi right now in the <laughs> studio. <laughs> I heard you changing all the channels, getting everybody lined up over there. Hey, we got to get things sorted out. You know, we got to get it sorted out. Yeah. But we have the Fiesta Bowl going on between Liberty and Oregon. Uh, Oregon ended up closing an 18 and a half point favorite. It looks like they're going to settle for a field goal on their opening drive. They trail six nothing against the Flames. And then we also have in Orlando the Citrus Bowl between Iowa and Tennessee. Iowa closes as a five point dog, total 37. And then the ReliaQuest Bowl in Tampa, where Wisconsin has a 14 to seven lead against number 13 LSU. So we got three games going on right now. Of course, we will set the stage with our guest Thomas Gable, racing sportsbook director over at the Borgata in the next segment talking about the CFP. Do uh, you have any early thoughts on the CFP here? Everyone loves my Washington Huskies and everybody loves Alabama as well. That's kind of where I am and I hate to be with the crowd but I'm kind of thinking that way too. You know, I think I think just to me, give Nick Saban this time. I think it's a huge game for J.J. McCarthy. I think he's going to have to throw the football effectively to win the game if, if, if Michigan can win the game. I think that's going to be the key to it. He's got to play like a pro quarterback, make throws. They're not going to be able to run the ball down their throat. Uh, he's going to have to make plays with his feet, play with his arm, disrupt the defense a little bit so they can't get into their check with me and kind of get them into the right pro, pro play and, and attack them. So I like that. And I like the board. I think the board's a really good coach. I think that they'll make enough plays. I think he's got a, a, he's got a good way about moving the offense. And I think with Penix healthy now, I think they're a much better team. Yeah, no, I think I think the Washington Huskies have a pretty good setup here tonight. Uh, it's funny looking at the two totals in the game, though. The Alabama-Michigan total, 45 and a half. Then you have the Texas-Washington one that's at 62 and a half. So we're going to see two different brands of football with the CFP yeah. semifinals, but that's what it should be. Uh, and it's a fun semifinals that we have. I think we, according to the point spread, we have two great games on tap for us. The Rose Bowl kicking off at 5 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Pacific. And then you have the Sugar Bowl. That's the nightcap one, 845 Eastern, 545 Pacific. Once again, our guest for the program today. Thomas Gable, racing sportsbook director at the Borgata, will be joining us in the next segment. We'll talk NFL. We'll talk about the CFP as well, see what they're seeing behind the window over there in Atlantic City. Then at 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 Pacific, our buddy Mike Pritchard, VEASAN NFL analyst, will join us to break down Pritch's points on the NFL Week 17 action. But let's get back to the NFL, though, Michael. As yesterday, we have some divisions still up in the air. We mentioned the NFC East is still up in the air after the Eagles collapsed against the Arizona Cardinals, but the AFC South is still up in the air. We have the three-way tie between the Jaguars, the Colts, and the Houston Texans. And Indianapolis was able to stay alive with a 23-20 win over the Raiders. Uh, the back door was wide open for Las Vegas mm-hmm. to strut on in, and they were able to yeah, do that. They sure did. Uh, unfortunately, people losing that on the hook there with the Colts. Well, I mean, look, the Colts, for some reason, decided to play zone 
and let Nate O'Connell just have easy throws, no no pressure. They, they can't pressure the quarterback. This is not the same defensive front that the Colts have had in the past where they can really get after the quarterback. And when at home, if they can't put pressure on the quarterback with the crowd noise against an offensive line, you know, they made O'Connell look like, okay, this is really good. This is the best game he had as a pro career, which I wasn't counting on. I was counting on them pressuring him, you know, trying to get the ball out. And when they did do that in the game, the, the Raiders had no answer. It was interesting. The Raiders talk about being aggressive and, and coming after it. I mean, they had ample opportunities where they were giving up the ball, you know, just on the fringe or just outside the fringe on fourth down plays, and they punted, you know, where, where you thought they might have gone for it, and they played it very conservative. And then, you know, they got a fortunate break on the pass interference call on the pick six that came back. Mm-hmm. But, the, you know, the Raiders, the, the Minshew and the run game, they made enough plays, enough big plays, especially in the first half to get the lead and made the Raiders play from behind. I, I was not impressed at all with the Colts defensively. I, I thought the Colts would play better. I thought they would put the Raiders away when they were up 13-3 to and they had their chance. They go to try to block a punt for I me. Mean, it's not even punt block called. Mm-hmm. And EJ Speed runs in there and, and roughs the punter. And after that, the Raiders get back in the game. Yeah, no, the, the Colts defensively, it's looked shaky. Offensively is usually when they've been able to go ahead and make plays. And once again, an Indianapolis Colts team goes over the total. Surprise, surprise. I mean, they're now 11 and five to the over this year. That's the best mark of any team in the NFL, which doesn't speak too well for their defense and what we've been talking about with this team here. But now they are in a situation to where if they win at home on Saturday night against Houston, the Colts would clinch the playoffs and maybe depending on what happens between the Jags and the Titans, could ultimately win that AFC South. But I do want to turn our attention to the Texans, though, because they beat the Titans yesterday 26-3 to to set up that matchup Saturday night. Houston goes ahead and covers the, the number there. The game goes under the total. And defensively, I thought Houston was pretty impressive. Did they just put the clamps on a Tennessee offense that's been sort of uh, stuck in mud for much of this season? Yeah, I mean, Tennessee, just their offensive line is bad. And Levis is bad, you know, and Levis got hurt, gave up the uh, the fumble for the touchdown. Jerry Hughes coming off the edge. Look, I thought the I thought the Texans played well. They, this game was never in doubt. If you took if you took the Titans like a lot of people were doing that line, if you go to the circuit contest, that line was five and a half. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people didn't play it because on if you were making your bets on Saturday, that line was at four. You were getting a one and a half point uh, worse line, and so you're like, wait a minute, maybe we should just play the play the uh, the Tennessee Titans. But again, I keep saying this: this is not your typical Vrabel Titans team. It's just not. They have no offensive line. The defense is is really poor. They can't cover anyone. And you saw the you saw the Texans take advantage of it and put this game away rather early. Even when Tannehill came in off the bench, there's just not enough to their team. They can't protect. He got sacked five times on on 20 pass attempts. It just they can't block. They're bad in the offensive and the defensive line. Something that they've always been good in in the past. This is not the same team. They've got a real. Interesting offseason ahead of them because what are the, you know, Tannehill is going to be his last game on Sunday. He's not coming back. Are they going to go with Willis? Are they going to go with Levis? I, I, I think they don't have a quarterback. I think they got to draft one. I, I would not say, based on the sample size that I've seen, that Will Levis is an NFL starting quarterback in, in terms of being able to not draft one or not go after one. Yeah, and Levis, the thing too, he's got to protect himself a little bit better. Like he, I, I like his mentality. It almost feels like a linebacker mentality at quarterback, where he wants to hit guys. It's like, dude, like you're the quarterback. Like we need you on the field. We can't have you getting hurt in all these games here. He got hurt once again yesterday. Obviously, you don't want to put all the fault on him and all that stuff. The offensive line, like you mentioned, isn't good. But sometimes he's a little bit reckless for my liking. You mentioned though this offensive line for Tennessee. One of the beneficiaries of this battle line was Will Anderson yesterday, Michael, who had a two sack performance. Got the sacks on back-to-back plays at the end of the first half his odds he is now vaulted up the odds board for defensive rookie of the year this has been a a, kind of a quiet race nobody really talks about it that much because i think a lot of people just assumed it was going to be jalen carter over at DraftKings. carter is now minus a thousand but if you look at that the box score and the production anderson has more sacks than jalen carter has and sometimes we know with the media voters they tend to look at things like sacks. Anderson was yesterday 30 to 1. He's now 4 to 1 in this defensive rookie of the year market. D- do you think that Will Anderson might be able to, to steal this award from Jalen Carter? Because he's been the presumptive favorite pretty much all year. It, it, it's hard to it's hard to 
to give the defensive player the rookie of the year award to a defense that can't stop anybody. You know, they can't mm -hmm. stop anybody. I mean, you know, like, the, and, and yesterday, Carter was on the field and they couldn't stop the Arizona Cardinals from running the football. I don't know if they're going to get this detailed into it. Everybody's just going to look as this as an individual award and say, okay, mm -hmm. he's the best player. He should win it. But I, I, I mean, I'm not, I didn't think Will Anderson was an elite player coming out. I thought he was a really good player, but he's obviously played well within their scheme. You know, and, and I think when you watch them play, their front, Jerry Hughes, all those guys, they play better defense than Philadelphia does. There's no doubt. They play much better defense than Philly does. And I think when you watch them and you see how they run around, Greenard didn't even play. And I think he's one of their best players. He has 12 and a half sacks. Yeah. Anderson, you know, benefits from that. Sheldon Rankin's inside, also a good player. And then, you know, they bring Jerry Hughes in and they use him and Malik Collins. I mean, this defense, you got to give it some consideration. I would think that to me, if I were voting, you know, am I sure I'm giving the rookie of the year to the defensive player of the year on a defense that's this bad? It hasn't made that much of a difference, especially at an impactful position like the three technique. Yeah. And, and Carter, too, like I know Philly, they like to rotate the defensive linemen, but recently he's been playing like 35, 40 percent of the snaps in a lot of these games where it's like, all right, he's not out there on the field that much. And when he's out there, they're not really making much of an impact. And this defense, it's like a cry for help in the city of Philadelphia, what this defense is doing. So I think Anderson, who now plays Saturday night standalone game, might have a chance to steal this that award if, if, if he makes a oh, couple yeah, big plays. You could definitely help him in this uh, political arena of awards betting. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On the other side, our buddy Thomas Gable, racing sportsbook director at the Borgata, will join us here on the Lombardi Line. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abebefe, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Look at the bet smarter than VEASAN has the perfect holiday gift for you. Sign up on our holiday special today and get VEASAN Pro access to everything we do from now through May 1st for only $79. It's going to give you the daily best bets, all the exclusive betting splits. How about the premium analysis and 24-7 video plus all of our betting guides and best bets for all college bowl games, the Super Bowl, and March Madness. All you got to do is visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe to sign up on our holiday special now. That's VSIN.com slash subscribe. Appointments are lined up. You waiting for somebody in there? You got an appointment. And it's not about what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. It's not personal. It's strictly business time. You and me at a private talk where step into my office. And step into my office with Michael Lombardi. Mr. Lombardi, we'll see you now. Oh, we absolutely love the imaging here. The great work that our crew puts together here. Michael, it's 2.15 Eastern, 11.15 Pacific means that uh, it's time for some appointments. And we'll start with the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, my man, Nick Sirianni, you know, I think what, what I see watching the tape of the Philadelphia Eagles, and if I'm Nick Sirianni and I'm you and I'm trying to help you, I think we got to start practicing. Our pad level's horrible. We don't get off blocks. We don't tackle very well. We missed so many tackles yesterday. Look, we are limited in terms of our personnel. I get that. But there are times where we have a chance to make a tackle when we can't tackle them. We don't play off blocks with any consistency. And our defensive personnel in terms of their fundamentals and techniques are eroding. So I think you got to get back to the basics. you got to play one or two fronts, let the defensive line in. You're going to have to get this defensive line to play at a higher level. I don't know what their conditioning level is, but it doesn't seem like they play with great intensity. That's how they you won games last year. Your defense has always been driven by the front. And when the front doesn't play well, that's not going to work. And then I think the other thing is, you went into a game yesterday where I thought for sure you were going to control the ball for 40 minutes, that you were going to be able to run the ball for 200 yards, and yet when I looked at the stat sheet, that's exactly what the Arizona Cardinals did, and you did. And so you got to get better at situational. Look, there's no team in the league better than the Philadelphia Eagles on fourth or third and one. And if you can play less defense, that's going to help you. And the only way you're going to play less defense is to control the clock and run the ball and milk the clock. You're going to have to milk the clock because this defense is not going to get better over the next four weeks against any team you play. You couldn't win in Seattle. You couldn't beat a bad Arizona Cardinal team. You're certainly not going to beat a Ram team if they came into Philadelphia. You might be able to beat the Tempe Bay Buccaneers. 
only because they're not an explosive offensive team. But to beat these upper echelon teams, you're going to have to have the ball for 40 minutes and only give it to them for 20. And that gets back to running the football, which is what you did last year. And unfortunately, this year, you haven't been able to. You've given up 150 yards rushing over the last seven games. You need to fix it. Yeah, the Eagles, they've lost four of their last five after starting the year 10-1. and one, They're definitely limping into the playoffs and have opened the door for the Cowboys to steal the division. Speaking of the Cowboys, everybody watched the Lions-Cowboys game Saturday night, and we know officiating is a hot-button topic amongst NFL fans, but the biggest debacle happened at the end of the game with the two-point conversion, and Brad Allen, the head official, and his crew under scrutiny after that game, after the ineligible receiver went ahead and stole that victory from the Detroit Lions. So, uh, Brad Allen is up. What does he need to hear? I think what you need to hear, Brad, is you made a mistake. Like, at some point, you guys that are officials that control the action of others, you control, you control the careers of others as well. You made a horrible mistake. Your crew's bad. And you've made bad decisions. And for, in a world that we live in with instant replay and time, if we're going to take 20 seconds or a, a minute 20 to go look at a replay, why wouldn't we take time to understand what happened in that situation? Why were we so quick to try to prove ourselves correct? There's visual evidence that we see Taylor Lewan go over to you and tell you he's the guy, right? Taylor Decker, I'm sorry. Yep. He goes over there and says, I'm the guy. And yet now you're trying to tell us that he didn't and there's a miscommunication. There's no miscommunication. You know, you just made a mistake and you cost them. You cost them the game. Now, they cost themselves the game, too. They have as much to blame as you do. But to me, I, I think at some point you got to admit you made a mistake. And this isn't because you have a hearing loss. This is a mistake that you made that you're trying to correct based on miscommunication, which is not true. We all see it. We all see it. We've got visual evidence. Yeah, it's funny how the visual evidence backs up what the Detroit Lions are saying. It doesn't back up with what Brad Allen is saying there. And ESPN's Adam Schefter reported that uh, the crew has been, quote, downgraded and a large part of Allen's crew is not going to be officiating in the postseason. Uh, they need to get rid of the large part and just say nobody from that crew is going to be in the postseason. All right. Yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> you see Brad Allen show up at a game. I mean, you know, seriously, they, they try to put Brad, out, Brad Allen in you a can. game. You can't. They'll go yeah. berserk. I mean, they're going to go crazy if they see Brad Allen at a game, wouldn't you? The guy's like the Grim Reaper now. You don't, you don't want him showing up, <laughs> knocking on your door, saying, hello, <laughs> I'm doing this wild card game. Good luck. Um, the Chicago Bears, Michael, yesterday were eliminated from postseason contention, but they've been playing well as of late and have a lot of big decisions to make here in the offseason. So Kevin Warren, the president of the Chicago Bears, what does he need to hear ahead of a pivotal offseason for his franchise? I think the best thing Kevin Warren can do is sit back and listen. I would call, I would tell Kevin to call in Ryan Poles away from Matt Eberflus and ask him how this team is going to win next year and over the next four years and what's the plan for that? How do we visualize that? How do we see that occurring and what is it going to take to get there and what do you have planned for that? And then bring Eberflus in and then basically then ask both of them separately are we willing to pay justin fields the going rate for a quarterback if you both are willing to do that if that's what you want to do if that's what we're willing to do we're staking the franchise's future on that decision and listen for the answers and if you like what you hear go forward if you don't like what you hear then you're going to have to make some decisions and you're going to have to make some corrections. I think Eberflus has done a great job. There's no question. The defense has played much better. Fields has played better. The real question is, is Fields going to be on the team next year? The question is, are we willing to give Fields $45 million a year over five years? You got to answer that question. Bear fans are chanting for him to come back. They don't pay the 50 million. They don't pay the 45 million. They just want a good quarterback. And you're going to have to compare the quarterbacks out there. This is the chance. This is the finding moment of the Chicago Bears organization. It happens to a lot of teams. The Philadelphia 76ers had this moment. And they traded for Markel's Fultz. And they screwed up their franchise. What are you going to do? I think it's really important. Yeah, Chicago Bears securing the number one overall pick after the Panthers lost to the Jaguars yesterday. So the Bears, they're winning games, but they also get the top pick in the draft. All right, Mike McDaniel, head coach of the Miami Dolphins. His team took it on the chin yesterday. What does he need to hear? Well, look, I mean, M Mike needs to hear really simply this. 
how are we going to get healthy? We got to get healthy to win. And where are we in terms of our health? And then I think what you got to try to do is you're going to have to try to control the ball. You got to run the football. And that's really what you do well right now. And I think to me, the other thing you're going to have to do is try to find a way to get some pass rush and find a way to take away the number one receiver of the other team. You may have to, you're going to have to move Ramsey around. They're going to have to do a bunch of different things. But in, at the end of the day, we don't have another corner. We do not have another corner. And that's a problem. And I think that problem is going to continue to show up. So Mike McDaniel, you're going to have to control with offense. I think people are onto our game right now. And I think it's going to be challenging for us to move the ball consistently offensively with the offensive line, without Waddle, and with a quarterback with a bad shoulder. We're going to have to rely on our running back. We're going to have to get healthy in the backfield. 2023 was a rocky season for the Denver Broncos. Started off poorly, then they got hot, and then they fizzled out uh, over the last few weeks here and have now been eliminated from postseason contention. Head coach Sean Payton was obviously in the headlines after they benched Russell Wilson earlier last week. What does he need to hear heading into the offseason? Look, you know, you're going to be stuck with Russell for the next two years, 85 million. What you need to do is find an economically friendly quarterback, not one that's 30 million, one like Stidham that's 10, and then build a team around them. I mean, once again, Garrett Bowles gets holding penalties, which kills your offense. At some point, you're going to have to fix this offensive line. You tried last year. I'm not sure it worked. Defensively, you just need to keep having good drafts. You're just going to need to build a team around you and figure you can manage the offense and manage the quarterback. Because for the next two years, you're in rebuild mold. You're not in chasing Super Bowl mold. And I think you have to accept that. You're going to have to have some really good drafts and get this personnel department fixed to where you want it so that you've got a lot of good young players like you started to have in New Orleans. It was a tough season for the Denver Broncos here, but I mean, they had some moments of brilliance and then moments uh, that were not so great here, but uh, they got the win on Sunday, even though it was pretty ugly. Stidham, what did you think of his performance real quick before we had to break? I thought it was just average. I think they didn't want anything. They didn't want him to lose the game. You know, and I think that they played a smart game. I don't think they tried to. I thought he started out sluggish and slow, but I thought for the most part he was, you know, he was average. He yeah. did exactly what Russell Wilson would have done. Yeah, it, it looked pretty similar to what we'd seen earlier this season. All right, that is Step Into My Office. On the other side, Pritch's points with VEASAN NFL analyst Mike Pritchard. He joins us here on New Year's Day as we discuss everything in the National Football League. We'll also get some CFP thoughts from Pritch as well. This is the Lombardi Line on the DraftKings Network. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Timmy Abebefe, on VSIN, the sports betting network. This week, new customers can bet $5 and pocket 150 in bonus bets instantly, and they will get the NBA League Pass for the rest of the season. I mean, that is an absolute steal. Download the app and use the promo code VEASAN when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. Welcome back. This is the final segment of the Lombardi line here on the DraftKings Network. Femi Abebefe, Michael Lombardi. Thank you to the two guests that we had on the program today. Thomas Gable, racing sportsbook director over at the Borgata, and then Mike Pritchard, our recent NFL analyst, joining us in the last segment. If you missed any of it, we encourage everyone to check out the Lombardi line in podcast form. But Michael, before we go any further, let's uh, give out our pro tip for the day. And this is one that you talked about earlier on in the show about how like, hey, in week 18, you probably want to be betting on teams where you know there's not going to be a massive overhaul in the offseason, teams that will have a little bit of continuity going forward. Yeah, I, I think you got to be really careful. And I think you got to eliminate games that you just don't feel comfortable with, right? You got to, because you're trying to handicap something that you don't really know. And you've never, if you've never been in a locker room before and you don't understand the makings of a locker room or front office or a coach, like last year. Everybody said, Lovey Smith has to lose the game. What did he do? He's a crazy guy. He, why would he do that? They ended up with C.J. Stroud. Did, was that so bad? <laughs> Lovey was going to try to win that game. Mm-hmm. Lovey, wasn't, Lovey wasn't losing that game. So, like, we, we take this NBA mentality and we put it into the NFL, and we think that teams are just going to lay down. And so we handicap games that way. And I think you got to be very careful not to assume this. And you've got to put that into your handicap. And then you got to ask yourself the mentality of the coach. Bill Belichick, is he going to lay down against the New York football Jets to get the second pick in the draft? I highly doubt that. I'll go on record as saying that's probably not going to be true. <laughs> right? Like he's not, he don't lose to the Jets no matter what's the situation. Yeah. So I think you got to just really pay attention to that. Yeah, no, and I think it's a good conversation because it was something that a lot of people were talking about yesterday when the Cardinals beat the Philadelphia Eagles and like, oh, what are the Cardinals thinking? Why did they try to beat the Eagles? They should have secured the number two pick and all this stuff. It's like it doesn't it doesn't work that way in football. It just does no. like and and, and 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 if you're tanking for these guys, yeah, like 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 Trevor Lawrence, everybody wanted to tank for him. Look at like look what the Jacksonville Jaguars are at right now. Like, like is that the position mm-hmm. you want to be in? Like, like I don't I don't understand. Like we don't know. There's no guarantee that any of these prospects are the next Elway or Andrew Luck or whatever. I mean, Mahomes went tenth overall in the draft. Yeah. Right. So like, are, are we sure we're getting the right player? I mean. Mitchell Trubisky went ahead of him. And if you go back through and read all the prognosticators, mm-hmm. had Trubisky is the best quarterback. Consensus, number so, one. So, like, <laughs> number completely number one. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I think we have to, you know, we take this here, and it's the same thing that happens on the three points and the seven points. We take this NBA analytical mentality and we just put it into the football world when it's really not, it's not valid. Again, it's situation. What is the situation? Where are we? What are we doing? How are we playing it? Who are we playing? Analytics has to ask, who are we playing? And in terms of draft status, I mean, it, it is what it is. But we've seen the draft. We'll talk about it in, in April. Everybody makes mistakes, right? Yep. You know, Jalen Carter goes 10th overall. People pass on him. Who knew? Right. Michael Penix is supposed to go too. maybe he goes 12. Maybe he goes 14. I don't know. It's too early to say. And all the people that are saying now aren't accurate. We know this. Yep. It's like we do it every year. But for some reason, it's you got to tank to get this guy. It's all right. (laughs) 
<laughs> Good luck with that. Um, let's get to, though, the CFP as we have about six minutes left in the show here. Our final thoughts, Rose Bowl, Alabama, Michigan. Once again, the Wolverines, two-point favorites, total 46. We had Pritch on. He likes Alabama. I lean uh, that way as well here with the Tide. Like, I just, I like Saban with extra time to prepare. And I think that this Alabama offense can give Michigan a different look than what they've seen this season here. Um, how do you see this playing out? What's your prediction for the game? Well, I lean towards Alabama, but I do think we're, we're kind of the problem with us with Michigan is we've just never seen how good they are on defense. We have all the numbers, right? Number one in this category, number one in that category, nine points per game. But what offense have they played that's elite, right? We haven't really seen that. And Ohio State kind of was making their way back into the game. Michigan obviously was too tough, but I think this is a game about mental and physical toughness alabama certainly has it they're prepared for it i think it's a game of adjustments too right i don't Mm -hmm. think this game plan is going to carry out from the first quarter and then carry all the way through i think how these both coaches adjust the game plan how they fix it we saw that with alabama when they played georgia they adjusted their game plan and they were able to come through it i'm leaning towards alabama in the game taking the two points i think it'll be a great game I think both quarterbacks are under the microscope. Milrow's got to make plays with his feet. That second play has got to be critical for him. And I think McCarthy's the same thing. He's got to make plays. He's got to move the ball. And he's got to make plays with his arms, something that we haven't seen him do on a consistent basis over the last month. Now, maybe he's been hurt, and, and, that, and that certainly qualifies. Yeah, no, I think it's gonna be a fantastic game. I can't wait to see how these two teams play out. And maybe it's a good live betting game. Like you mentioned, like the first game plan is not going to be what carries over throughout the entire game. If you can anticipate and almost like trying to figure out what the coaches are going to do might be a good live betting game as well. Important to note, Thomas Gable, racing sportsbook director at the Borgata, he told us in hour number one that they took a $130,000 bet on Michigan. So they now need Alabama, which I'm sure at some sportsbooks, I think the need, it might be Michigan, but over at the Borgata, they need the Crimson Tide to go ahead and come through. Uh, the Sugar Bowl tonight, this will be a fun game. I mean, I'm a Washington Husky fan, so maybe I'm a little bit biased, but Texas taking on Washington. The Texas Longhorns, three and a half point favorites, total 62 and a half. I kind of like the over. Like, I know some people have bet this to the under a little bit here, and I get it. Like, you know, all you need is one bad possession, and it kind of tends to go to the under. But I think both offenses will have a lot of success here. I do too, and I think Pritch made a great comment in the last block about how we've not how good is Texas defensively. We saw them struggle against the spread of Kansas State. They got ahead of Kansas State. They came back. We saw Oklahoma do the same thing, right? I mean, Washington's got to eliminate the big play. They got to take away their their skill. And but Washington likes a spread game. I mean, mm-hmm. Washington is very comfortable playing those kind of loose play games that we see in the Pac-12. And I think they'll be able to do that. I think their defense will be well coached and and well versed. I also think that their offense will be too. And I, I think that they're they're. I like the board's ability to game plan. I like that. I do think Sark's got a really good offensive uh, game. He's got a you know skilled players that are all over the place that can make plays and be explosive. I kind of think this is going to be one of those games where neither team is going to have control until later in the game. Mm-hmm. And and when you lay it out that way, I'm going to go with the coach that I trust more. And maybe it's biased from seeing the Sarkeesian Washington teams from way back when and all that. But Kalen DeBoer has been nails as a head coach, being able to press all the right buttons all season long he is a he might be a special coach here uh for the washington huskies hopefully they can keep him for a long time to me this is washington all the way I, I, michael i'm not even gonna mess around with the points i'm just gonna take the money line i think oh, Washington- you're gonna be an eagle fan and just I- mess to, just go right to the money line huh <laughs> i think washington wins the game maybe i'm wrong but uh, I, i'm pretty uh strong in my conviction with this one here i think the washington offense I love it. will do enough I love so it. we're, we're taking- go right to the money line i love it who I needs points that. yeah huskies outright uh we do have the look aheads though for the national title game these are the four combinations of the national title games that we could get michigan against texas is that's the national title which is the two favorites winning that would be the wolverines is a three-point favorite the game would be played in houston by the way uh but michigan would be a three-point favorite alabama would be two and a half against texas washington would be catching six against bama and then they would be catching six and a half against michigan i'm telling you like everyone's disrespecting the huskies i'm just just saying how many times they got to prove people wrong yeah i i agree with you i mean look I think that's the thing. Everybody, you know why I think it goes to two Femi? I think a lot of people disrespect the Pac-12. Yep. Right? 
Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people disrespect the Pac-12, and I think it's kind of unfair. I, I think they're a better – the Pac-12 was good this year. Look, you know, we saw, we saw you know, Arizona play Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma was missing a bunch of their guys, but they did have their – you know, their, 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 they had some of their replacements back in there. Arizona mm-hmm. was able to win that game. I think the Pac-12 was good this year. And, you know, I just think to me, this will be Washington is being undervalued because I do think, you know, I know Oregon started the Liberty game slowly, but I think Oregon's a really good team. And I think if you can beat Oregon twice, you can beat anybody. Yeah. Oregon, since that slow start, has uh, gone on to uh, to roll against Liberty. I think it's 31 to six at halftime, 30 to six. They've really been kind of getting it rolling there right now at the half. I believe. uh, Let's take a look here at the score. Yeah. 31 to six at halftime. So. Good, good for the Oregon Ducks. And that's the team that Washington has beat. I mean, they were a 10-point dog. I know the Huskies, like you said, they've been penalized for playing a lot of close games, but they also were banged up in like the month of November. I think now that they're a little bit healthier, more time for panics to get right, more time for that defense to get healthy as well, which we saw the more glimpses of them in the game against Oregon. I think Washington's the more complete team, and I think they have the better coaching staff. So who do you think wins the national title? I guess I mean, next Monday we'll find that out. But We'll find that out. We'll see. You know, I mean, I think Washington's a good team. I really do. Yeah, I like the Huskies a lot. Bow down to Washington, as they say. There we on, go. On Mont Lake. All right, that does Happy it for New us. Year. Happy New Year to you, Michael. Happy New Year to everybody. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, the entire crew behind the glass. We wish all of you guys the best of luck and the best of New Year here in 2024. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.